0: Hey everybody, welcome back. We are back in
1: Star Wars mode. That's right, we have, well, we didn't finish anything. Obi-Wan, the series, is officially over, and we're here to talk about it a little bit further from our episode two weeks ago.
0: Yes, so we talked about India last week. Mm -hmm. The week before that, we started walking through our blog, dealing with episodes one and two. And within that episode we talked a little bit about the adoption aspect we talked a little bit about the aspect of just community outreach in general and relationships that need to be developed and how that all relates to the church we enjoyed it yes we thought we were all good especially the soundboard you loved it yes i mean how can we not (laughs) and then we started getting feedback From our good friends over at Systematic Ecology. And they were like, that was good, but not good enough.
1: Yeah, we spent a little bit more time at the end, focused on the community aspect side and didn't fully go into the adoption process as much as we could have. But also we only had a few... Well. I think we had a couple episodes released, well, but we only had, talked about the first we, two.
0: We were only able to work with the first three because you had only washed up to the third episode at that point. Exactly. We were focused in on episodes one and two. There had been five episodes at that point. I was only one behind. That would be two, was, if our math is right. It was four released. I was only one behind. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway... Joe, though, contacted me and was like, Hey, you need to keep flushing out the first half just like you did the second half. And so we said, Okay, only if you guys come on. So Joe is with us. We may have Brandon, the other Brandon, with us, Brandon Jedi Knight. Mm -hmm. Like that, Brandon Jedi Knight. Yeah. Um, he he, we we're hoping that he may be able to join it he may be having some technical issues you know how that goes um but they have joined us our good friends over at systematic ecology to flesh out the rest of this and now we've started having this conversation because of technology issues and it not recording but we're going to try and continue the conversation with you all (laughs) without anybody missing anything so Joe, let's start with the fact of what was it that we didn't, we did not get to as far as covering it the first time.
2: First off, I want to say thanks for having me on. And for some reason, I don't know about you guys, but I just have the weirdest case of déjà vu right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I listened to the first part of what it, of. What you guys put out and it was all really really solid stuff and it was so refreshing to hear somebody pick up on the adoption points the relationship points different things like that more than just oh hey we're getting the in-between time between episode three and episode four cool as the as the fan side of me Awesome. But there were deeper things at play, especially resonant to somebody like me, who I spend a lot of time in the worlds of relationship and all of that side of things. And then in the geekdom side and being a lifelong Star Wars fan and all of those kinds of things. And so I listened to episode one and you guys were tracking really well with the whole uh, relationship thing. And then like you guys said, the, uh, the other part of it was all solid stuff. It's just something, just an entirely different topic. And so as it pertains to, to Obi-Wan. And so that was one of the things that popped out to me is, you know, that's that's a lot of what you guys sit in and, and, and your lane. But just because you guys had to hop off of it, it was just, you know, there's a lot of meat still on the bone to, especially now that the entire series is out, we can see how they paid off these different story beats. We got a whole other half of this adoption relationship, you know, kind of thrust upon family story beat that we didn't have or that you guys weren't working with in in episode Although, 1
0: we may not have been working with it but we did call it and True, we we right. like we nailed it so i just have to say oh, impressive yeah you got 10 out of 10 that's right nice sorry continue
2: <laughs> so um you know one of the things that we were talking about before And one that that has kind of come up a lot about this series is this whole idea of Disney taking legacy characters and and molding them into into something a character with modern ideals and things like that making little changes or or on the other side you've got the fans that are saying you know they're just trying to ruin original star wars to make way for all of the new stuff and all of that, and they've ruined Obi-Wan and all of those things, and the pacing was slow, and it was boring, and all of that. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, when when Solo came out, um, it, according to the studio, it tanked. It didn't make as much money as it was supposed to make, whatever, critical reception. Um, but right after that, there was supposed to be a... Obi Wan uh, movie. This there was, was supposed a- to be two
0: more solos and then a trilogy of Obi Wan's. They were they were hoping to actually do trilogies for solo and trilogies for Obi Wan. It wasn't just one set of Obi Wan one Obi Wan movie was cut. They were looking to actually expand out big time, big time and do trilogies within the own their own characters.
2: Yeah, there was there was a there were a few different rumors going around at that time that that was one of them that this was just going to that this was going to build into an entire universe of fleshing out that in between time of of episodes 3 and 4 and and so on, but yeah, it's it, it, what we see what you see in the Obi-Wan series is that movie script extended out into um 6 Feature-length episodes, um, and, and so you know when you when you look at the entirety of Obi Wan, it is unafraid and unabashed, uh, unabashedly going after the emotional beats of the yes. entire situation. It is unafraid to go there for better or for worse at each juncture, at each mm-hmm. point in the story. it is it leans heavily on expressing the emotionalism of everything. And I think that might be part of the inherent issue that people have with this. There's a lot that gets said about, you know, what what is proper um, response when somebody is going through something, and you and they they come to you, whatever. What is your proper response? And and biblically speaking, we hear weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. And that is obviously going to look very circumstantial, very situational, all of those kinds of things. But it requires just sitting in the the tense or the awkward or the sad or whatever that emotion is. And while it didn't convey as as a typical bombastic... Star Wars, lots of moving pieces and large action set pieces and all of those kinds of things, Well, it didn't necessarily translate into that, I would argue that some of the emotional points that they hit in this series haven't been hit mm-hmm. since the original trilogy.
1: Do you think people originally, this could be beyond Star Wars, but just they don't want to sit down and watch a movie, and have to sometimes feel a character. Which, in my opinion, sometimes a good story does that. Right. But they want to sit down and have a time to escape in a way. Where it's ability to see something that plays out, enjoy the story for what it is, have that nostalgia. I don't want to feel how said character is feeling on screen. I well, just want to zone out. And I that,
0: think that's part of the problem? That's part of the what some of the initial... More of the the group of people that normally are also spewing other conspiracy theories were complaining about was that within the first two episodes, which we haven't said it in this recording, but spoiler alerts ahead.
2: It's a trap.
0: Um, the you know the first two epi- the first scenes of ep- the first episode, and even the first scene of this last episode, are dealing with basically terrorism within a school hmm. and the first episode released like, what was it like three days a week after Ivaldi, yeah. And so there were a lot of, there were a lot of people claiming, and again, these are the people that are just crazy anyway, so we don't really take them for much. <laughs> um, but they were ones that were claiming that this is just Hollywood trying to put in some political agenda to cause more chaos, mm. but part of what it really was actually showing was how was how people actually react in these real world scenarios and real world, world situations. You know, we already in the first time we we did this, and then Joe confirmed it with us when we thought we were recording, and we weren't. This is really the first. Anything outside of Batman that doesn't do a great job. And I would actually argue Spider Man does a better job with this as far as the adoption side of things. But, you know, they people don't really mess with the emotional side of adoption stories. Mm
1: -hmm. Right.
0: We also see in this series people don't normally actually full on take on PTSD. But we see that all the way through and all the way throughout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People don't necessarily deal with the actual. We, this is what we talked about the first time we did this. As far as people don't normally deal with the emotional attachment that leads to things like gang culture. Movies that deal with gang culture are doing mobster films or Suicide Squad. They're not doing, like, this is how, this is the cycle that <laughs> yeah, leads to a it. A true
1: kind of real life story
0: right. in kind a of way that And so, you know, that, th- it's not even just with the you know the character arcs everything like that just the actual real world post Civil War style setting and scenarios are just forced on you at this point within the series. That, yeah did I miss anything?
2: No no I, I think you know as far as as far as that opening scene If you take it in the full context of the full six-episode arc, then it makes complete and total sense that that's the note that we started this series on. Bad timing. It was a bad look. They couldn't. I mean, that yes, they could have controlled that. They didn't. They they could have put out something. They could have. People within our community um, kind of stepped up pretty immediately after that first episode came up. It, it came out and started posting within our group, warning people like, "Look, if you're over this whole gun depiction right. of gun violence thing, skip to this to this minute marker within there
0: the. They added add that? that. They added that okay. later. They. Well, by the they, time uh, I
1: must have started it, then yeah. a couple days in.
0: Yeah, they, yeah, you know, always late to the party. Yeah. Um, yeah, they added that a little bit later. Um, but initially, yeah. there was none. Now, people that had actually, actually know where, knew already where this story fit within the Star Wars story knew exactly that pretty much we kind of anticipated that this was going to be coming up. It, it was, it was, but I think it what caught people off guard. At least it was, it was just the timing of it, which yeah. was not anything on Disney's part, other than that they could have had the warning at the beginning,
1: yeah, or waited but, even a month to release. Well, release. they had
0: already pushed this back a while. They were going to get f- bad feedback regardless of what they did with that.
2: Yeah, and they were competing against – it was a whole thing competing yeah. against Netflix and Stranger Things and so on yeah. and so forth.
0: Which so there was also for, a, th- a complaint there because I guess there was also a school – somewhat of a school shooting type scenario. Maybe that's in that why I'm getting well.
1: mixed up is because I thought, yeah, at the beginning of Stranger Things, there was yeah. also a disclaimer because maybe that's where I'm getting confused.
0: Uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah. yeah
2: so to set the the nerdy part of my brain kind of wants to set the table a little a, a little bit if you guys don't mind what we where we start off if you haven't seen um uh, obi-wan is you start off in the it basically in in the final chapter of um the prequel trilogy with order 66 with Anakin killing the younglings and all of that which is something that we have known about now for. I want to say fifteen years. It's been yeah, since it's the been oh, since episode three came out, something like that. So we have known that this was a thing for quite some time. So for anybody to say that that's something that got shoehorned in, um, they don't know how movies are made and, and how long this this actually takes to create a right. thing and have it ready for for distribution. Um, but but also like it's just picking up on stuff that has already been well established, and so 17 a lot, years.
0: I just seventeen up. years. It's been 17 years, which is just crazy.
2: But like I said, like you have to go there in order to get to the rest of the beats of of this story as you start to unpack Obi Wan's journey and the um, his first meeting of Leia, which Princess Leia, um, it was established early on that she is adopted. And so that's the ma- the first main or arc in which you see you see adoption explored and you see found family. And then you see them you 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 start to see what the impacts of the establishment of the empire, the mm-hmm. killing of the jedi, all of those things, the effect that it has on the on the larger overall universe within within the story and the fact that there is a group of people that are yes their main story beat at the forefront is that they are resistance fighters and things like that but this is also another opportunity to explore this whole idea of found family and Mm -hmm equipping a leader to be able to lead this group and all, all of that kind of thing all of those kinds of things that are all displayed within obi-wan and Leia finding the group of the the resistance group and and the basically the the rebel alliance at, that it becomes in four five and six um, the equipping of um, I can't think of his name right now but the guy that kind of takes takes leadership over the the group um by the end of the series and then and then you have luke and a lot of unfortunately unfortunately a lot of people are getting hung up on on little idiosyncrasies because they're holding four five and six at such a such a uh, with such fierce passion that they're ignoring what's actually happening Right, right here and right now, and yeah, is it the cleanest through from from pillar to post? Is it the cleanest? No. Like I told you, Andrew, when, we, when I when I finally finished the the last episode, the problems that I had by the end were simply by, due to the fact of the way that they tr- they tried to tell the story. I don't think anybody did a bad job, and I don't think any one story beat was necessarily bad. It just they, they they hit the gas at certain points, and then they hit the brakes at other points, and they—you know what I mean? It was a little herky-jerky at times, and because of that, people kind of just blew past the Luke right. part and what happened with Ben and Brew, and the fact that that is another instance of seeing the adoption of— of of luke into this family now this is a little bit different that's his uncle that's blood so on so forth
0: you know like we said last time though but even with that you know anakin had only as far as we know really had only met owen like one time Mm. and for the most part padme was there and anakin was off slaughtering all the sand people yeah so you know this is his the his half brother The brother that at one point was his mom's slave master. And that really the only interactions that they ever had was him at the funeral. But yet they still were like, yes, we're going to not just take him in and keep him safe. We're going to we are going to stand up to a Sith and tell them this is our child. Yeah. Yeah and not only that we're willing to straight up fight her and home alone style take take her on just to make sure that he gets out safe you know that that's a that's not just a oh well yeah the uncle is taking him in cuz he feels bad this is a this was a very conscious choice of this is now my son regardless of any of the other things that may have connected us in the past.
1: Yeah. As we talked about before, also changing how he chose or him and his wife chose to raise right Luke as well to be more of a farmer and yeah, he live, was live Luke's off heir. the land yeah. and yeah. Or no.
0: Luke was his heir. Like yes. the farm was going to him. It was very clear that that was the reason that Owen was doing everything that we see in episode 4 was not just because this was some uncle that doesn't you know that's now in charge of this kid or that is just putting him to work because he needs him to like this is this farm is going to luke once owen is gone
1: which I always laugh because I'm like, what are they farming there? It just always shows seems like it's a house in the desert.
0: It's mo- moisture farming, isn't it? That's what it's yeah. classified. Yeah. So okay. they're actually they're getting water. Okay, thank you. They're but more it- they're more like <laughs> technically they're more miners than they are farmers. But being you know. in
1: the Midwest, I didn't see any cows. So Yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> I don't have any cows or Banthas to hit yeah, here. That's right. that's unfortunate. But let's let's go ahead and start actually diving into what we actually want to talk about. We, you know, we kind of started it, and we kind of started it last time, the first time you and I recorded. Oh. <laughs> we started kind of getting. Well, actually, we didn't even get into it yet when we realized we weren't recording with the three of us. Let we are going to actually talk about this adoption style relationship. Because it's something that we are going to, for Misfits listeners, you know, we're, we're going to be hitting a different angle of this next week with um, a, a couple that if you follow us on Twitter, you see um, to, at Two Fertile Church, she and I go back and forth a lot. Um, but let's start with this idea of why this adoption relationship is actually so important and especially now in light of all of the American political developments that has come about in the past week or so since the first time that we recorded. Mm -hmm. So, Joe, let's just start, you know, we can just start with you since you're the one that said we need to go deeper. Um, why, Why is understanding the the emotional depth, if nothing else, of what we actually are talking about when we talk about an adoption relationship, so important.
2: So I think sometimes when you talk about adoption, you just kind of take it for granted that that if it's adoption, then all parties involved are people that chose to be there, thus they're happy to be there, thus everything is sunshine and rainbows. You know, you hear about these these long, drawn-out adoption processes that take place. And, you know, who would sit through that if they didn't actually want to be an adaptive parent? Now, mind you, I'll be the first one to tell you that not every single situation of adoption starts off that way. Now, especially when, when you start to play in the realm of being a stepdad and and stuff like that like but that that's that is a little bit different but that again part of my my i am the target audience for this for me to pick up on the on the little the little nuancey points of of what of the story that they're trying to tell but that's something that that that's a side note that that stuck out to me when when you when you see the adoption process and all of those kinds of things you, you you need to it's important to understand that in the midst of all of that you've got a kid that especially if they if they realize right from a young age that mom and dad are not biological mom and dad you know and that that they have been taken from or uh, separated from however it happens from mom and dad That has a way of perpetuating um, a lot of weird feelings, bad feelings, different things like that. Yeah, yeah, causing a lot of trauma. And there, there's such a like it's such an unenviable task for people that choose to step into the adoption process. Because you truly do not understand right out the gate how the child is going to react. How mm-hmm. you, like it's just it's it's a different starting process, I guess is a good way of putting it. You know, you start the process biologically, obviously, biologically. If you're starting the adoption process, you are starting that process from a different point. And a lot of times when that is depicted. That's depicted as somebody who just simply gets it, gets their kid, gets the the kid that enters in the home, great environment right out of the gate. We don't see a lot of that struggle. We just see a family that kind of instinctually knows the perfect way to treat this kid and to have no dysfunction or anything like that. And I think the only the only one that's really coming to my mind that even begins to 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 have this same kind of conversation is the DC movie Shazam that came out. Um, I think the the Foster cup, uh, couple from that I thought was an awesome depiction of found family, but when when w- what we're seeing here are two two sets of parents that are two very different points in the in in, in the whole process, right? You have um, Senator Organa and his wife and they you see they are still firmly entrenched within the empire um they're kind of like secret agents but you know they're still very much a part of the empire and you see this more rebellious child that they don't necessarily understand that they kind of want to go this very particular route and all of that but you're seeing the seeds of rebellion in her and they're not necessarily speaking the same language they don't necessarily understand each other right right out of the gate and things like that but it's very very important to note that the dad just that's that's his daughter. Not not adoptive, not anything. There's no qualifier, there's no prefix. Daughter. And then the mom you see start off in this position of I want you to be this. I want you to dress like this. I want you to fit in here. All of those kinds of things. And then by the end, we see her turn around and say, you know what? You are expressing yourself in ways that make sense to you. You know, we're going to let you be more of yourself rather than trying to make you something that that you're not. And what you're seeing there, if you pick up on it, is when when you have the adoption process when you have taking in a a, a a a young child versus like having a a newborn um you the 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 temptation becomes that in order for this to work, it has to be done a very specific way. Now, mind you, I understand that right now parents someplace just yelled at their device saying, "No, that's exactly how it is for parents too." Yes, but I think there I I from what I've seen and what I've experienced, it's almost like an over the temptation for overcorrection where like you're you're afraid of it going off the rails in a different kind of way and so like you hear from all of the experts and you hear from all of the books and you think that this is how it has to be coupled with whatever other issues you have as an individual that we all have with our parentage and how we're going to be as parents and all of those kinds of things that that it it becomes this thing of you have you have to be this These are the rules of engagement in order for there to be success versus, yes, you have rules of engagement. Yes, you have boundaries and guidelines and all of those kinds of things. There are rules of the house but just because this is the circumstance that we all find ourselves in doesn't give license for me to take from you the agency to be able to express yourself in a way that is uniquely yours and allows for your character to be shown. And there's, there, there's bits and pieces of everything that I just said that you can point to other IPs and say, mm-hmm. you know what, we told this portion of the story, but then we got back to the action set pieces. We told that part of the story, and then we got to more interesting stuff and not the emotionalism of it all this i think part of what what is um we'll just say divisive about this series in particular is it takes the time to illustrate all angles of that and again that's just using the lay aside of this as the mm-hmm. archetype because you're seeing a different uh similar similar notions but different um accentuation points with Luke's side of things as well.
0: Well, and, you know, what's interesting with what you said there, first from a Star Wars point of view and then from a just a general overview of what we're talking about. You know, the first thing is that, you know, in Episode 4, when Luke is finally decided he wants to just go off and join the Academy, and Owen is like, no, you're a farmer, you stay here, we need you here, we need, you know, responsibility, all of that. Baru is the one that is like, no, this is just who he is. We need to let him be that.
1: Right.
0: So we've got the opposite structural roles playing out here Mm -hmm. between Luke and Leia. But from a bigger perspective, I think there's something that, you know, yes, it's completely different in terms of the way that you feel prepared. I mean, you guys are currently walking through the preparation process. Yep prepping for a biological baby and prepping for an adoptive baby are completely different because you have to meet how many different state standards <laughs> just for you to get your name on a list.
1: Yeah. Tons and tons right. of paperwork to do and go and fill out. Um, so we're coming up. It's been basically two years too. <clears throat> part of it's been our own timeline, but just trying to get all that done. Yeah. It takes a long time. And as Joe mentioned too, kind of the number one thing that they teach or continue to mention is that no matter how good of parents you plan to be or whatever that household looks like that you're bringing that child into, there's still going to be some sort of trauma involved in in their life. And um, yeah, that doesn't change of who the child's character is or what that tends to pan out to be, but just Knowing that there's going to be, there needs to be resources or outlets for them, which
0: I, which is part of what we talked about the first time mm -hmm. in the second half is that the church should be able to provide some of these resources, both for the children and for the parents. Yeah. You know, this is something that can be done.
1: I do find it interesting of, because I don't think we fully see it once we get into the canon there, but separation of siblings. Of how that could also create trauma mm-hmm. with Luke and Leia, and sometimes how keep keeping that together.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just thinking episode five and the awkwardness after y- yeah, episode six because so, so like I, um, which part of it? This is, is a family show. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> um, so you know, but the other thing that. You, you were talking about with that and that I think we need to also look at is the way that they highlighted with Leia more so than with Luke because we really only saw 20 minutes of trauma with <laughs> of Definitely, like, he's going to have nightmares for a while. A minute of it was him sleeping. Yeah. Um You know, with the relationships between Leia and the senator and Leia and her mother is we see a very good depiction of the difference in relationships that develop between dad and daughter and mom and daughter. Because the, you know, the, the style of talking to her, the style of this is who you are, the style of, you know, who you are coming from bail was completely different than coming from his wife. And the way that Leah responded was completely different as well. And that's because the same type of father-daughter relationship that you see within biological children is what we saw on full display between Bale and Leia. But I, I,
1: I could argue that there could be a marriage issue there as far as the parenting is concerned. That's a whole nother, that's a whole it, nother it, it podcast. It seems like there is two different styles kind of going right. on, which I could see clearly a Which is a, a whole, whole nother because, podcast also. Yeah.
0: But, you know, the the other side <laughs> of it is that there is also, and, and this is something that, you know, my wife and I have talked about before. You and Emily probably have talked about it in this preparation period of, the anxiety of what could happen is always much higher for mom than it is for dad at least in a general sense when we say that and so we we do see as well that mom is much more worried about the potential of who Leia could become because of where she comes from and in her mind it was always she can become her father but i think what we see at the end of the series is that she's like no what she's going to become her mother Hmm. a person you know somebody that what we know from clone wars what we know from you know the past is this is a personal friend of ours we're we're seeing we're seeing padme in her we are not seeing anakin and dad on the other hand Doesn't see any of that, which is, you know, it's a stereotype of the, you know, just the complete obliviousness to a lot of things that you get with that. But in some cases, the obliviousness is part of the way that God has designed dad to be is dad doesn't care about any of that other stuff. He doesn't care that the empire potentially is looking for her. All he cares about is I am going to raise my daughter. I am going to keep her safe. And when trouble comes i know who to call that will go and rescue her because she's my daughter and not because of the biological daughter of who she or of whose biological daughter she is mm-hmm. yeah you know, and so there's there's that added you know again where the realism of the relationships that we see that we don't normally see play out anywhere else again spider-man is, I know you said Batman, but I'm thinking Spider-Man may be the only other one that kind of tries—and not the movies, the comics—tries to really get at that kind of a relationship. Because the little bit of Uncle Ben that we see in the first, you know, the the first story, Ben is very much of—he's just raising his nephew to be his son there there's no there's no pressure of a- added pressure of oh well this isn't my kid or oh it's just my nephew or any of that it's just he is raising this child up in the way he should go and that's part of the reason why eventually peter is able to find the spark that allows him to actually become a hero aunt may is just his is his is his aunt it's his mother and it's the one that has raised him, and so he care. The care level is there, not just of an adoptive aunt, but of a mother. Is why he is willing to. He does not want the fame because he does not want anything to come back on his aunt.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It has nothing to do with him. It's all about his aunt. You know, those type of relationship dynamics are not well represented, not played out. And I think, like you said initially Joe a lot of it is because people just think that this stuff is boring
1: yeah well culturally speaking too um, a lot of other nations or nationalities will have that true family dynamic already set up at home where there's maybe four or five households right. living under right. one roof and yeah in the us that just doesn't typically happen until maybe someone is elderly and unable to take care of themselves and then it's all right, they're moving in with us, or you're lucky not enough to have a mother-in-law suite or whatever, whatever that looks like, your she shed. The she shed. <laughs> it's not played out. It's very parsed out, I feel like, sometimes for us, where we see our families as a silo, and, yeah, we're here and hanging out with you, but it's not that full, true family or community dynamic that, God calls us for the body of Christ to be, um, not not family, but it's for, for the full body of Christ. So I think culturally, too, it's it's estranged sometimes for us as Americans to see what that looks like.
0: And the, the other part of what you just said, and, you know, Joe, you talk about all the time with Buddy Walk, how you deal more with an international off, office, international audience, even the, more than you do a domestic But the part of what is now part of the debate, which, again, this is all a just a coincidence of timing on Disney's part. This is not something that they could have ever planned out to actually hit it at this time. But we now also have an added piece to this adoption level talk, especially among believers. With the fact that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Something that I have seen from international communities is the talk of, you know, why, why is it that adoption doesn't happen very much domestically? Because normally when you hear adoption, you do hear a lot more about international
1: mm-hmm.
0: adoption. You don't hear a lot about domestic adoption. But one of the things th- that always seems like, well, why don't you just adopt domestically? It is not an easy process emotionally, which is part of what we've been talking about. But it's also not an easy process financially or legally or just paperwork Lee. Yes, <laughs> paperwork Lee. Roger, roger. Um,. You know, it, it's not an easy process. And so I think that also is something we probably need to just talk a little bit about when we start seeing the debates about whether or not Christians are pro-life or not when it comes to the adoption side of this. And I'm going to preface it with something that, again, Twitter followers may have seen. Non Twitter followers probably have no idea what I'm about to talk about. But last Friday, when the announcement was made, we put out a blog mm-hmm. talking about are we actually ready as a nation? Uh, or actually, not even as a nation. Or, well, we said as the nation, Christians. but we said as a church within this nation yeah. ex- explicitly, are we ready? Is there a support system in place? Do we as are we as Christians ready to finally welcome in single mothers, all that kind of thing? Karen Swallow Pryor, Doctor Karen Swallow Pryor, the no- notorious KSP, for those that don't know that that's what she goes by. Um, she had put out a statement as well of, okay, now the real work has to begin. Mm-hmm. You know, this all the stuff we've done the past fifty years has been legwork. Now the real work begins. And she took a lot of heat for that, just like we did. Yeah, because
1: people are saying, well, you should have been doing this.
0: Yeah, well, everybody's been doing this. We're not saying that nobody was doing this. We're saying that the work is about to get harder, not easier. Yeah. But one of there was one person in particular that is, and again, we don't call out names, so we're not going to, that was attacking her because of the fact that she does not have children of her own. Yet, is trying to tell people about how to care for children. And this is something that within the debate about adoption as Christians, we need to address in two different ways. The first is that just because, well, I guess actually three different ways. And this, don't worry, Joe, it does have to do with exactly what we've been talking about. Don't worry, because you have this look on your face of, where is he going with all of this it's coming so the first first relational type thing that we've got to deal with is the fact that you do not have to have legal guardianship of children to be a parent within the church now what do we actually mean by that any guesses
1: Should we go to Webster's? and uh, No, we don't need to go to Webster's
0: because we're talking specifically within the church here. To be a parent figure within a child's life, you do not have to actually have legal guardianship is the key piece of this, of an actual – of a child of your own.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Because – The role of believers within a church is to do what? To the body. We're saying to the body of Mm. believers here. To the body. What is the role here? Because we've talked before the role of the church in the community. Within the role of the church, we are supposed to be a. You got got this one, Joe? He doesn't want to get buzzed, even though he has the right answer because he almost said it. I know. Say it. You can say it. Say it. (laughs) Say it. Come on now. What are we supposed to be? If we are a united, not just unite, we are a family, right? Mm-hmm. We are the family. family of God. So kind of half a point. We'll give you know. a lightsaber. <laughs> I, um, I still can't get inside Andrew's head yet. I know. Cause you literally were about to say family and then you stopped yourself. And said, like, I'm going to let Joe say it. So he gets buzzed, <laughs> even though that would have been correct. You know, we are a family. The, the, proverb of train up a child in the way he should go and when he gets older he will not depart normally only is applied to parents Mm -hmm. but in a much broader context we are not just talking parents here we are talking about the family of god is supposed to be raising up these children in the way they should go
1: almost like that it takes a village
0: it takes a village this i mean this is this is a biblical thing that we see within scripture of The church takes care of each other, and the church takes care of their own. And the church discipleship, we raise up people. This is both in a spiritual sense and in a physical sense of having a lineage coming out of your church. The second part of this, though, is that just because and it's well we'll do that one last because i want to make sure we knock that one out the second part of this is that just saying within your church and this is where the larger discussion for all three of us is going to come in just saying that oh well we you should just adopt all of these babies is not a statement that is as easy as it sounds from an emotional level From a financial level from a legal level just saying oh well we need to just adopt all these children is not the correct response to how should the church respond in the wake of roe v so do
2: you mind if i jump in at this point okay
0: no i mean no i don't mind so yes jump in
2: (laughs) um so Yes, I understand that there is a a new coat of paint on this right now, that there's a big old spotlight on this now, but I'm gonna push back a little bit on on the current the current state of things in in a little bit with what you said. This doesn't have jack all to do with Roe v. Wade. This doesn't have jack all to do with any of this, like any of the current political uh, political climate. It's just a new coat of paint. The yes. things that we're talking about here are not are not dependent on the current uh, political climate of anything, and that that is exactly my point of where why i reached out and said said what i said obviously you guys are are you know you you guys have a a specific audience a specific you know style of doing things you guys have a specific genre of christian media all of that kind of stuff you guys tend to more of that political side that sociological side all of those kinds of things but i think what we're seeing here and, and, and I will I will grab just to just to satisfy the people that are more current events minded I'll grab a couple of those lo- the, those loose threads and and tie them into what I'm saying you know so much what what is the what is the buzzword right now among Christians pro-life Which one? okay I am pro <laughs> True. I am I am pro-life so the and and a lot of the shorthand, that has come out about all of this is um, life wins, right? That's the one that stuck with me, kind of seared into the back of my mind. Um, for those of you that don't know, I don't. I I am just starting to play into the political world a little bit, just by just to understand the world that I'm that I am a part of a little bit more. But I I the way my brain processes things. I see the root of the matter way faster than I see the current the the current state of things so the current state of things there's no there's literally nothing new under the sun so just because that there's a current debate or a current coat of paint and all of those kinds of things doesn't mean that this isn't a uh, an amalgamation of a long time of issues and and i think a lot of this de- uh, adoption debate and oh it's just it's just if easier to or it's just easy to just to uh, just adopt all the babies then let's just go ahead and 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 empty out all of the foster homes and all of that well there's in in this in this country for better or for worse we have gone for a long time gone with the idea of if if there is a system in order to make a system more secure we need to put more systems on top of it because if we have more systems on top of it then it will act as a safety net to stop from things from getting out of pocket or things from you know bad people from getting through the process and and all of those kinds of things and and especially if this isn't something that you've that you've been exposed to or or anything like that a lot of people do not simply do not understand the idea of found family right and we're not talking about oh my best friend is like my my brother and all of that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. I have, I have a friend that I met in college. We went through hell together and he is, he is my brother. Like that's not that, that, that's not a a quaint phrase that we, that we throw around. And, you know, that whole idea of found family and exposing people to this idea that a family is what you make of it, and B. We need to be approaching people from a certain light. A, a, you know, even outside of just the just the adoption points of this story, uh, of this uh, the story that was presented to us, we see adoption in other senses, right? Where we see we see right. this. This community established and all of those kinds of things. And it was reluctant at first and it was uncomfortable at first. And then you see people kind of driving and coming together united under the same cause. Some familiar? You know, over on SG, we're in the we're in the year of Lewis, and part of what we're what we're going through is right. the Narniad. I am um, the resident Narnia uh, geek over there. I've been on. Is, it because, is it
0: because you look like tumness?
2: <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Uh,
1: Hopefully, only from the top up. <laughs>
2: right. Uh, there's a reason now. why, Mike. My- it's a trap. <laughs> There's a reason why my camera only goes from up here um <laughs> so part of what it what keeps coming up in all of this are the reflections of the truth that the Narnia ad acts in a way in a, in a very uh, in the way of being a very overt mirror of the truth and what the most beautiful points that you can find in the ad is when it's reflecting um you know go- gospel truth not just in the lion the witch in the wardrobe not just with the 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 crucifixion scene and all of that but but right. peppered throughout the entirety of narnia
0: Everything it's that, it, yes.
2: right it's that same kind of idea here the most beautiful points of this are when it's acting as a mirror to things that are true on a lot of different levels and that that is what i think I think if you come into Obi-Wan thinking that you're looking for the next big bombastic story, you know, Star Wars a- adventure, blah, 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 blah. Don't get me wrong. There were some really cool lightsaber uh, lightsaber duels that happened in there. I thought there was some cool stuff thrown in there for the fans and all of that. But this was an emotionalism st- uh, story. Yes. This was this was a, a found family story story and i think before we even get to the legalities of it all and all of that i think that there's a much uh I'll say much more important conversation that needs to take place before any of that that we even understand the idea of family and all of that. I I hold no. I'm going to say something that's a little bit controversial. And if you've ever recorded with me before, you know for any any individual show that I am on, I I'm good for at least one hot take. Um, that is totally true. Yes, it's part of the total package of experiencing Joe Day. Okay, so. I think that there is something special to be said for people who choose parentage.
0: Yes. And that's uh, where we're going with with where we were going with even the, the the response to Roe V is that was part of what we were actually going to is the fact that this stuff is only being highlighted now mm-hmm, yeah. because of what has just happened. But I like the way that you keep using the phrase found family, because especially for those of us in the misfits world, even you know, that that is something that is hard to actually find. And so I think this is part of why, you know, we you are the perfect person to have this discussion with, is that you know, how hard it is to actually find family in a community setting, regardless of biological factors. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know, this is why we started with the first point of, you don't have to be a legal guardian to be a parent to a child within, within your community, within your church. You don't have to, and the phrase of, well, let's just go all adopt the babies is being done in a legal sense ignoring the amount of kids within their pews those that still have them pews pew pew yeah you know it's Star Wars um, um, <laughs> Joe's now like wow why did I why did I let him keep talking <laughs> um, you know they there are a number of kids that could use you adopting them in a family found family, community christian sense without them living under your roof without them living under your roof and without the need to politicize it and without the need to even legalize it yeah now before we close out the third thing that came up and it's sad that we even have to make this statement but we're going to make this statement And then we're going to make the statement even clearer next week when we talk with Karen and her husband, who I forgot his name all of a sudden. I think it's Brandon also, actually, now that I think about it. This is just going to be – July is going to be the month of Brandon. We'll just go with that. Um, Is the fact that just because you do not have children, whether biological or adoptive, does not mean that you are cursed – And it does not mean that you are in sin. Yeah. And the fact that we even have to make that statement is part of why this stuff we're talking about within Obi-Wan is so important for us as believers to be pulling out. Mm
2: -hmm. Right.
0: Because the the relationship and family development stuff that we see here and that we see within just developing discipleship, developing family, developing community, all of these different things go way beyond genetics or a judge's ruling. I mean, this is the whole idea that Jesus talks about as far as, you know, Sometimes being a Christian means that you have to give up your father and your mother, your brother, your sister and your children
1: to follow him, yeah. to follow
0: him, because it's not about bio, the biological ties. It's about the fact that we are all tied under, like you said, we are all united under Christ and Christ's sacrifice for us. And so it doesn't matter if I'm going to adopt this child or not. If I am able to come alongside this child and train him up in the way he should go, then that is what my responsibility as a believer actually is.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of the reasons why you even have to give that kind of qualifying statement or sit here and spend so much time talking about the legalities of it all and all of uh, and and talking about that entire world and aspect of it is because if you don't understand this concept and that's all you see of it people think adoption they think court they think legal they think all all of that all of the administrative side and and i'm not i'm not ignorant enough to say then then what's this then what's the system then what's the then what's right. the the system for the ch- for the children that are that that are are uh, neglected or 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 whatever like what however however a, a child ends up in the system what is the system for children that need a place to live how do you manage that all of those kinds of things i understand that an imperfect world needs certain systems that were never actually supposed to be a part of the overall to begin with. But that what you're hitting at there is the exact core of this entire conversation and what ties each one of the individual aspects of the story together. And I will go as far as to say that if we get this... We don't even need to have the legality conversation. Right. And part of why it's not as, as prevalent or as big of a thing or anything as far as other countries versus America – is that there's a there's a conceptualization difference between what family is in other countries there's a conceptualization or or conceptualization difference between what parentage is all of that every single piece of that is we we've just come to think about it differently and if you need to go through the the if, if you are somebody that has experienced hearing if you don't have kids, then you are cursed or whatever, is part of that same... That, that same issue and, and unfortunately uh, some people do find themselves in the adoption process because they don't have biological kids and they're being f- uh, pressured to have kids from, from the church and things like that. Yeah, that does happen. But if we understood family better, none of that would be a thing. None of that would be a necessity in all of that. And that's, that's what I think is so beautiful about this is it starts it allows for uh for a jumping off point to be able to start having very authentic conversations about very real things and when somebody you know yes there is something beautiful about biological parentage and all of that kind of stuff yes i'm not trying to it's it's not a matter of devaluing one to value the other But when you fully understand this, this whole setup, this whole dichotomy, and you're choosing to enter into that and you're choosing to bring a child into your home and give them a place and give them family and all of that, um, man, there's just something super special about about that that doesn't make it a perfect situation and yeah that's it's very unfortunate that whatever led to that child needing a home but if you're able to give that child a home that, that is beautiful and, and honestly, I this if, if there is any one hope that I have in coming out from this kind of story being told at the time that it was told, all of that that at least if even if you have to start the conversation at the legalities of it all and and spend time there in order to get to the actually relevant stuff, then fine. But it, but allow yourself to get to the relevant stuff. You know what yes. I mean. This is one of those things that has, you know. Yeah. Okay. We need to. You know. I'm I'm coming around to that. At some point, we have to have conversations about about political stuff. But we waste so much time talking about political stuff. That's that to me. Yeah. That's part of why why I reached out. Is it jumped over to the political side and all of that. And yeah. Okay. We have we have to address all aspects of this, but the most important piece of this of this conversation is the relational portion of it, Not, not what law says this, what the legality of this is, any of this kind of stuff. It's understanding how to be in community with one another. It's understanding how to love on a person, how to be with a person in the midst of tragedy, how to be okay with somebody else experiencing tragedy and not just looking at them like they should get over it and things like that. And honestly, questioning those stereotypes that you talked about, as far as what does it mean to be a dad, what does it mean to be a mom, what does it, what do stereo, what are stereotypes of dads? Because yeah, you were right. Just because it's incorrect doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Some of those stereotypes of what a guy, uh, of what a dad is, and all of that, yeah, they exist. They're garbage. they're absolutely hogwash putting putting any kind of stereotype on either one no like that's that's where you get into weirdness. that's where you get into uniquely political issues American issues exactly exactly and and so i I just I'm here a to nerd out about obi-wan, but b to be. <laughs> You know, I I'm not you kind of stole my gimmick before, right? You you made up you made up a word I can't remember what the word, what the word is right off the top of my head. But you kind of made up a word. I'm not I'm not the most eloquent speaker. I'm over here speaking the queen's English. You took my gimmick. I I it's a running joke on Buddy Walk. How many words can I make up all of that? But what this begs for is exactly what I'm here to do is elicit the conversation. Let's talk about it. Allow for this. If there are things that if if you are listening to this and some of these things poked and prodded and and you and and you want to know more or or you want to you you you're exploring what it means or or if you are like me and you had a bad upbringing and you had no choice but to find family then open the door a little bit start to ask questions start to poke and prod start to to allow for that to be a thing and then you will i i just that 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 exploring that i think will let not i think i know from personal experience will will give a greater appreciation for other relationships in your life but also your relationship with god yes because we wanna, we wanna make everything boxed up and nice and neat. And you go through your procedures, you go through your, through your, through your, your systems, and then suddenly you're a parent. Well, no, uh, I, that's a, that's a that's a mindset before it's ever a title because there's a kid involved. That's a heart posture before anything else, and that exploring that unlocks the door to be able to express more things, talk about more things and explore more things.
0: And that's what I think ultimately part of what we want to highlight by, by doing these things on Obi-Wan is the same thing that Obi-Wan does, which is it's forcing people to actually have these conversations and not just go with whatever the, normal C4 it is. You know, we want people to actually think through and talk about these things. Whether it's the community outreach stuff that we did the first time, whether it's something we haven't even touched on that maybe we will in the future as far as like even the PTSD and veteran affairs type stuff that they touch on within this, or whether it is just straight up how does a family relationship actually develop. And what what do we do with adoption? What do we what does the Bible say about adoption? What does it say about parenting? All of those different things. Having the conversation is what this is all supposed to actually be about. Yeah. So, if you want to keep the conversation up, there's a couple of places you can do it with this episode specifically. Priests to the Geeks is a Facebook group that is run by Systematic Ecology. I'm somehow considered a group expert over there, which I don't know how. I think, I think, uh, I don't know if it was you or if it was um, Joel that ended up making me a group expert, but I'll take it. Um, You know, so you can, over there, you can have these kind of conversations pretty much regularly. If in between all the memes, we try to have these kind of conversations. Um, Or over on the Ministry Misfits community Facebook page or Facebook group, sorry, Facebook group. Um, Joe is over there. I think Brandon is in there also, both Brandon's, um, including the Brandon you didn't meet, and also a couple of his other co-hosts are in there as well to have that conversation. There's also some other people within both of those groups that ha- are much more experts within this field of adoption, within this field of um, you know just family development, things like that as well that can add other layers to this conversation as a whole. So go check those out over on Facebook. Joe, thanks for coming back on. We will uh, probably be seeing you again in the future, I'm sure. We just seem to always pop up on everybody's shows at this point. Um, Brandon, unfortunately, had to leave early to go to the basketball because his team started without him last time, and he's a little bitter about it. So <laughs> we will see all of you later.
1: The Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Ministry Misfit Media in association with Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at media at gmail.com or by following at Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash ministrymisfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash ministry misfits.